0: Hello, I'm Clive Nash. Welcome to Let God Speak. Have you ever gazed into the cloudless night sky and thought about the vastness of the universe? Some think that this planet of ours is just an insignificant speck. Human beings don't matter at all. But life does have meaning and purpose. It has value to God. God became man in Jesus Christ. As one author has expressed it, the one whose creation is measured in light years shrank into someone measured in feet and inches. Jesus died to bring eternal life to all who believe in Him. In this episode, we will discuss the new covenant life. So come with me as we begin. On our panel today, we have Rosemary Melkovich and Pastor Harold Harker. Welcome, Harold and Rosemary. Good to have you with us today. Thank you. Before we begin, I invite you to join with us as we pray. Our loving Father in heaven, we thank you that you are our guide in all things that matter in life, whether it be to do with here and now or to do with eternity. And we pray that you will bless us as we discuss today. And may your Holy Spirit guide us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, I'd like to begin by inviting you to join me in reading in uh, John's gospel. And I'm going to turn to the 10th chapter and the 10th verse, a nice, easy reference to remember, John 10, 10. Uh, Jesus speaks here about the, the thief who comes to uh, to break in and destroy and to steal. But then he goes on to say in the second half of the verse, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Rosemary, in the introduction, I mentioned the, the promise of eternal life. And sometimes we tend to think of that as being you know, far off. But uh, are there benefits to life here and now for, for the Christian? Yeah.
1: Most certainly, because um, Jesus is not just talking about the future. He's talking uh, about the present. He came to give us more abundant life now. When you know Jesus as your saviour, life has meaning. There's a purpose for it. Um, you end up having um, an inner peace. You have a change in your character, your motives, your desires. All those attitudes, they all change. And you don't have a fear of death.
0: Uh, some people say even if there was no eternal life, you know, it's, it's better to be a Christian anyway.
1: Yes, I think <laughs> so, really
0: so. Because of pleasant benefits. Yeah. Uh, and Harold, most people want to be happy uh, and to be contented.
2: Uh, is there enjoyment in being a Christian? Obviously, there has to be. Let me read 1 John 1 4. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. If it's going to be full, there's going to be a lot of joy and happiness. Let me talk about joy and happiness for a moment. Joy is usually something that's inner inside us. that We know who we are, where we are, who's in charge. We know that God's there. Happiness usually comes about from external things. We've had a great meal or a good game of golf or something like gardens flowering well. Mm. And that's momentary often, Mm. but joy lasts Mm. and it's strong. It's inner joy. And Mm. God wants that to be full. Okay. Uh, And Rosemary, in that text
0: that Harold just just read, it talks there it says, and these things we write to you. Um, this, these things bring joy. What, what, what things are you talking about here?
1: Well, you have to go back to the previous three verses. So let's look at 1 John verse, oh, chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. And it says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. So what he's really saying there is he's putting the essential focus on Jesus. Mm -hmm. Jesus is the source of that joy. And without Jesus, you cannot have that inner peace and joy that comes from knowing him. And John knows what he's talking about because he saw, he heard, he handled Jesus. He lived with him for three and a half years. Mm. And Mm. Jesus had that impact on him Mm. for the rest of his life. It wasn't just momentary.
0: Yeah, so he said that which was from the beginning. As you say, he was one of the early disciples of Jesus, so he knew what he was talking about. Um, So,
2: Harold, was John actually talking then about that three and a half year period? Well, when he wrote his uh, his, gospel, he used that word again. Let me read it. John 1, and it starts at verse 1. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. And so he was talking different time to when he knew John. This is the creation. You know, the Greek word for beginning here is not is quantitative. It talks about uh, the uh, the great the first things, not just uh, uh, the the t- things of earth. And this is when God made things. One author, Fritz Reinecker, said the beginning here could refer to the beginning of creation or better beginning in the absolute sense and emphasizes the pre-existence and the divine character of God. Mm. Mm. And
0: so uh, this, is, um, this is no f- flimsy basis for joy, is it, uh, 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 Rosemary? Can we can we be sure of this joy? Can we share it?
1: We certainly can, because first, if we understand that God is absolutely in love, he's crazy about us, mm. as Cherie Peters puts it. He just loves us so much. We can have joy to know that that, that is how God feels about us. But then he doesn't just love us like that. If we come to him, he will cleanse us from unrighteousness. He will take away our sins and our guilt. He will take them from us and we no longer have to worry about them. He will empower us to overcome sin. So the joy is something that we can then share with others because God has done this for us. We want other people to have that joy. too.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as you say, a lot of people have this burden of guilt, don't they? Mm -hmm. And to know that we're forgiven. It's a wonderful release uh, for Mm -hmm. us. Um, a a human tendency, Harold though, is for for some people to to justify themselves, isn't it? You know, we all do that.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Adam and Eve did it.
2: They sure did. But, you know, let me read you what Paul wrote in Romans 3. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all guilty. Now, we may not have been as bad as a murderer or something else, but we're all sinners And we don't like to admit it, and so we tend to justify ourselves and look at ourselves as better than others. Okay. So
0: what's what's the answer then, Rosemary, to this idea that we're all sinners?
1: (laughs) Well, okay. Then let's first of all um, look at Romans eight, verse one. It says, "There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus." who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. In other words, they don't work, walk in their carnal mm. um, behavior, in their bad behavior. They now walk according to the power of the Holy Spirit in them. And we'll also go on to Matthew 26 and verse 28, because that also explains what we're talking about. It says in Matthew 26:28, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Now, that's what Jesus said. God takes away our sin and we no longer have the guilt, as I said before. But this is the new covenant. Jesus became God's lamb so that he could take away the sins Mm -hmm. of the world. The lambs and the other animals that were sacrificed all those years before could not actually take away the sins. They were to point to the true lamb that was Mm -hmm. coming. That mm. true name was Jesus. Through Jesus, we can have that remission of sins. No more condemnation before God. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So as you say you've got the two phrases there. One from the words of Jesus, remission of sins, getting, de- getting rid of it, dealing with mm. it. And uh, no, f- no further condemnation, as Paul mm. puts it to the Romans. And, and that's a wonderful thing, isn't it?
1: Well, uh, that's where your source of joy can come.
0: And uh, you know, Jesus has paid the price. For our salvation, we we don't need to earn it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, we just need to ask for forgiveness, mm-hmm. and and He gives it to us. Uh, so, how can God remove our guilt? We've we've said, uh, Harold, that you know all have sinned, uh, but how can God actually you know wipe it out?
2: Well, let me read on from there in Romans three. We we'll all sin, and we fall short of the glory of God. But then it tells us how we can do that: being justified freely by His grace. Mm. Grace is always free and grace through grace, the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's where redemption comes. Whom God set forth to be a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because in His uh, forbearance, God has passed over the sins that were previously committed. God in his grace through the sacrifice. That's what propitiation is. Mm -hmm. God sacrificed in my place. And then he says, there's no condemnation. He's cleared me. I am a sinner, but God clears me. Isn't that great? Mm. It's kind of like a forensic thing, isn't it? It is. We are declared to be innocent
0: and Just as though we had never sinned. God
1: no longer sees us as a sinner. He sees us as a saint when we give our lives to him and let him forgive us.
2: Mm. He wants to do it. Right. Let me read on Romans 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. To have peace, it can only come from believing in Jesus. Mm. And so If the devil or even our own conscience wants to condemn us, we should um, do what Jesus did, quote scripture. And here we are forgiven and there's no condemnation. We're clear in Mm. Jesus.
0: Yes. And there's a lovely text over in First John, too, isn't there? uh, There is. uh, Harold, I I think uh, I suggested that you you share that
2: one with us. Let me do that. Verse nine. And this is a great promise. First John one, verse nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful and he will cleanse us. It doesn't matter what the sin is. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So let's confess and have belief in him. hmm. Mm. One of the other
0: uh, benefits of uh, a life dedicated to God is having a change of heart. Um, I'd like to read what Jeremiah has to say about this back in the Old Testament. In Jeremiah chapter uh, 31, and uh, starting at verse 31, and Jeremiah says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. A new covenant or a new agreement? Um, and with the house of Judah. So both houses, Israel and Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant, which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. And this is important to, to hear what God says here. I will put my law, whereabouts? In their, In their minds, and write it their on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. So, so what does this writing on the heart really mean, Rosemary?
1: Well, let's look at Ezekiel chapter 11, verses 19 and 20, because this will help us to understand as well. It says, Then I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within them, and take the stony heart out of their flesh, and give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes, and keep my judgments, and do them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God." When we accept Jesus as our Savior, God writes His law in our heart. He gives us a new heart. Jesus talked Mm -hmm. about in in John 3, the new birth. Mm -hmm. We need to have a new birth. We've had a fleshy birth, our physical birth, but we need to have a spiritual birth. And when we do that, God makes us new people from within. Mm -hmm. And He gives us a new heart where we love to do His will. We're not obligated. We don't do it to, to earn brownie points. We don't do it because we have to do it. We do it because now we have a love and a joy in doing what God wants and in following His commandments. And we begin to understand why.
0: Mm. Yeah, this is the heart transplant we all need, isn't it? It, it is. Sure is. We all um, do need it. Uh, uh, this is this mysterious idea,
2: Harold, of, I think, you know, having Jesus in our hearts, isn't it? Well... You know, Paul writes Ephesians in chapter 3, 17 to 19, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, notice love's part of it, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You know, this word dwell means to settle in, to stay. It's something permanent. It stays there. We might have ups and downs. Mm. But if you we talk about people having a change of heart and there is we have this peace, this love of God that stabilizes us. And, you know, God gives us a new heart that's called a spiritual transplant. And it's through love that God wants us to be more like Him. Yeah, some other ways people express it as like going
0: on a journey and you're going down the wrong road <laughs> and you make a around. complete yeah, u you turn. turn. You know, a 180. Complete change of direction in your life when that's you give right. your heart to Christ. Um, what's the, what is the principle that makes the new heart relationship last, Rosemary? Yeah.
1: Okay. In the verses that were just read, it talks about knowing the love of Christ. When you come to know the love of Christ, the love that God has for you, and you are rooted and grounded, as it says there in Ephesians, mm. it takes hold of you. Yes. It becomes the basis of your life. And when that happens you begin to experience and understand His love and then you're able to give that love to other people. And let's look at Matthew 22, verses 37 to 39. Because Jesus is speaking here and He says, "It says, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Then he goes on in verse 40, actually, to say on these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. Mm -hmm. Then in Romans 13, 8 to 10, it's a great set of verses for someone to look up. But in there, Paul says how the Ten Commandments are actually the fulfilling of what Jesus has just said mm-hmm. here. Thou shalt not um, covet, you know, commit adultery, steal, murder, all those things. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended mm-hmm. in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Mm-hmm. Then he goes on and says, love um, works no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, right. love is the fulfilling of the law. Mm-hmm. When you know God and you know his commandments, you know God's love for you, you will love his law because you realize it is actually obeying God, in being loving to other mm-hmm. people and to God.
0: And, and Saint John, um, you know, seemed to know a lot about this love relationship, mm. didn't he? You know, he was the disciple whom Jesus loved, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. for example. And uh, I like to read First John four, and verse nineteen to see what he writes here in this letter. He said, "If someone says." I love God I'm sorry, First John 4:19. We love Him because He first loved us. Mm. Um, so love known is love shown. Mm. Um, how, how can we have
2: that experience that Paul, John's talking about here, Harold? Well, love is reciprocal, isn't it? If God gives it to us. We want to share it. And let me read verse uh, 16 of First John four. "We have known and believed. The love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. To abide is to stay with. Mm. So if I'm staying with God and God is staying with me, there's love because God is love. Mm, a bit like that dwelling idea that we is.
0: earlier, isn't it? Mm. So you've got knowing and believing and abiding there. Um, Rosemary, Jesus raised a few people to life and we could think of various stories in the New Testament about that. But one in particular I'm thinking of with the raising of Lazarus, because Jesus made a very important statement mm. about the resurrection of Lazarus, didn't he?
1: Yes, he did. And um, we'll look at John 11, 25 to 26. In John 11, 25 to 26, Jesus said to Martha, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Mm -hmm. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Mm -hmm. He asked her. So Jesus is the resurrection. It's because of knowing Jesus that we will rise one day. Those who who have died believing in Jesus they will come back to mm-hmm. life when he returns. Mm-hmm. And those who are still alive who believe in Jesus will be caught up together with him in the
0: end. But what about the here and now, Harold? What, what does Jesus promise
2: for, for today? Well, as you mentioned in the beginning, let me read John 10 and verse 10. It says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I, this is Jesus talking, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. And so it's not just a little measure. He wants our joy and our life to be full of this love that he has.
0: Mm. Um, one of the things I think that we can um, think about, um, you know, when someone makes a promise, We've got an idea as to whether they're able to fulfill the promise or not, don't we? Yeah. Um, We sometimes go by experience. You know, they've said things, they're going to do things, they don't do them. Right. Uh, And then other people are are trustworthy. But but with Jesus, we can trust his promises, don't you think? Hmm. You know, he has the power not only to make a promise, but also to fulfill them. Um, I'd like to read John chapter uh, 6 and verse 54 where he says here, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. So he's talking about two things, present tense, Mm -hmm. has, and raising up. So so, Rosemary, when does the immortal life really begin then?
1: Immortal life (laughs) begins when Jesus returns, because the Bible tells us that only God has immortality, that we are not yet mortal. But let me go to 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 54. I love these verses. They're, they're just, just beautiful. It says, starting at verse 51, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Death that we experience on this life at this time is Jesus told us with the story of Lazarus. It's a sleep. It's not a final death. Mm -hmm. And when Jesus comes, that's when those who have died prior to his coming and those who are alive at his coming, we will all then be made immortal. Mm
0: -hmm. But Mm -hmm. we have
1: no immortality now.
0: Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, there are a lot of people who see life as being a hopeless kind of thing Mm -hmm. and they don't see any real purpose for Mm -hmm. living. The last figures I had uh, were 2019. Over 3,000 people committed suicide here in Australia.
2: Right. Um, should it be different for a Christian Harold? Uh, it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to think of every person's individual experience. But, you know, when Jesus gave his challenge to his disciples to go into all the world, let me read what he said in Matthew 28. He said, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. So that's to everyone in the world. And then he says, uh, I am with you always even to the end of the age. So if we have the promise and the presence of Jesus with us, that should be the stabilizing, the invigorating uh, thought that just galvanizes our life.
0: Mm. Yeah, the
2: promise of his presence.
0: Amen. Yeah. What else do you see in the Great Commission here, Rosemary?
1: Um, One of the things is that Jesus wants us to share what he has done for us. Yeah. Um, To encourage other people to believe in him as well, because we all need to know Jesus. We all need to know him as our saviour. And so that's what he's telling us to do there in the Great Commission. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, spread the gospel.
2: Mm.
0: I I like the invitation that's found in Matthew 11, verses 28 and 29, where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. He's talking agricultural terms. <laughs> Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle, and lowly
2: in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Uh, how encouraging is that, Harold? Well, if you have that promise, that invitation, come. And Jesus always saying, come, and you'll have rest. And so if we want rest and we accept the invitation, there it is. The greatest sinner has a greater Savior in Jesus Christ. That's why his yoke is easy, because he's forgiven and given us that life. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's the answer. Come, come. Uh,
0: I remember when you and I were in Bedford in England, um, and I'm going to show a picture here uh, of Pilgrim from Pilgrim's Progress. Mm -hmm. When he came to the foot of the cross... The burden that he was carrying on his back just well down. rolled away. Uh, can that still happen today, Rosemary?
1: It's a it's a really powerful demon uh, no, yes. well, picture, um, not just the stained glass, but just the the actual idea of it. It's a powerful idea of what happens when you know Jesus is your saviour, because all your your guilt, all your your sin and things, they do roll off your back. Literally, you can you can feel that right. that mm. change. Amen. And Jesus does that for us when we come to the foot of the cross, mm, yeah. like like in that picture. Yeah. It's an experience that we should all have. We can all have it. Amen. The people who are watching at home, they can also have yeah. that experience.
0: Well, thank you, Rosemary. Thank you, John, uh, Harold, for your, for your thoughts today. You know, uh, that brings us to the end of this series on the promise, God's everlasting covenant. Uh, next time, we'll begin a new series of panel discussions under the heading Resting in Christ. Meanwhile, I invite you to believe in the covenant promises of a loving God and the assurance of eternal lives through faith in Jesus Christ. Well, we're glad you joined us on Let God Speak. Remember, all past programs plus teacher's notes are available on our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au, and you can email us on lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au. Join us again next time. Until then, God bless.